Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to The World in 10, the big news stories of the day explained and analysed by The Times of London, today with Stuart Willey and Rebecca Myers. We've seen chaotic scenes coming out of Ecuador. We ask, what has triggered this upsurge in violence? It's been a shocking few days in Ecuador. You may have seen the dramatic video of gunmen bursting into a television studio and taking over a newscast. The men in balaclavas and masks waving guns and grenades while the newsreader and staff cowered on the floor. You can hear the police here raiding that TV station in Guayaquil and arresting gunmen. And that was just one incident. Ecuador is in the middle of a security crisis. Inigo Alexander writes for The Times from neighbouring Colombia. He joins us now. Welcome, Inigo. What's what's triggered this crisis and, and how is Ecuador responding? Well, what's triggered the latest wave of violence in Ecuador is uh, the recent escape of one of the country's most feared gang leaders from, from prison, a man known by the alias of Fito. He um, was found to be missing from his prison cell. Uh, they found he, he had escaped. And as a result, the President Daniel Noboa declared a 60-day state of emergency, which in turn caused a bit of a chain reaction from a lot of the inmates and a lot of the gang members that have been detained in a number of the country's prisons. And actually, Fito, who in 2021, in an interview, he did warn of repercussions and he did warn of a wave of protests and riots and, and violence if he were to be transferred from prison. And we've seen just that. We've seen prison prison riots. We've seen prison guards being held hostage by inmates. We've seen, of course, the the host situation in the TV, TV studio in Guayaquil yesterday, and a number of uh, instances of violence from across the country, not just in, in prisons, uh, attacks on uh, on-duty police officers, kidnappings. There's been at least 10 people killed, two of which have been police officers, as, as a result of the latest wave of violence. So it's really triggered um, a, quite an unparalleled wave of uh, violence and quite a hard response from gang members across the country. I remember we used to talk about Ecuador being a safe spot in, in a pretty tough neighbourhood. Why has that changed? Yeah, Ecuador used to be a relative safe haven in, in the region. Uh, but in the last uh, four or five years, stuff's really turned sour for Ecuador. Sandwiched between Colombia and Peru, which are the, the world's two highest cocaine-producing countries. And as a result, that has led to a proliferation of violence and gang presence in Ecuador. Um, national and international gangs there's presence of Mexican gangs presence of Balkan gangs in Ecuador as well which participate in the international drug trade and in particular as well the 2016 peace deal that the Colombian government signed with the Colombian armed group FARC that pushed a lot of the cocaine trade and a lot of the armed groups into neighbouring Ecuador as they sought to find other alternatives and other viable routes for which to apply their, their illegal drug trade. So it's, it's gotten really out of hand for Ecuador, uh, the, Ecuadorian, the Ecuadorian state, 
over a number of different administrations now has struggled to get a grip and, and control the violence. And this last year in particular, it's really, it's really gotten out of hand. Thank you so much for your time. US Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin has been in hospital, including in intensive care in the past week. He's now recovering, but as a key figure in the country's national security, there's been criticism he kept that treatment secret. Secret even from President Joe Biden. Now, the White House has announced a policy review. We asked the Times US editor, David Charter, to tell us what's been going on. Yeah, this has developed into a really extraordinary story, actually, because it was only discovered... Uh, this week that the Defence Secretary of the United States had secretly been admitted to hospital. He spent four days in intensive care when nobody knew where he was and he didn't inform anybody during a time of heightened tensions in the Middle East. Uh, And so for four days uh, there was nobody really in charge Uh, of the American military. We asked David, does it really matter if the president was kept unaware of Mr Austin's illness? Well, there does seem to be something of a culture of secrecy in this White House. Of course, this has led to questions in conservative media of, well, what are you covering up about Joe Biden's health if you're covering up the Defence Secretary's health? But of course, the White House has said, look, Lloyd Austin, a very highly qualified man for the position. He's the first African-American who's become Defence Secretary, and he was the first African-American to hold various leadership posts in the army, uh, that he's naturally a, a private guy who didn't want to share his private medical information with the world. And of course, now it's nothing else is being talked about in the American media. The biggest immediate risk facing humanity is not climate change or extreme weather events, but misinformation and disinformation driven by AI. That's according to a new report from the World Economic Forum, who questioned 1,500 policymakers and experts. The Times' economics editor, Marine Khan, told us deepfakes and the like are not a new concern. Well, I think it's always been in and around some of the things that are called global risks. But there's something special about 2024, which is it's one of the biggest electoral years on history. So over 4 billion people, which is nearly half the world's population in 70 countries, are going to be voting this year. And the report highlights that because we're having this sort of very strange electoral calendar, the role for misinformation and disinformation terms that they use to influence voter patterns, to influence voters heading into this election is much more acute than we've really ever seen it before in recent years. It's all sort of about the consequences of what elections have come to mean in many societies. And that's things like the increasing of societal polarisation, um, the spreading of what we think of as you know fake material. So deep fakes, uh, news stories which purport to you know paint some politicians or some kind of policy issue in a certain light, but they are not true. And they're difficult for readers and listeners or people who are online to discern whether something is true or not. And actually, they point out that the sophistication of so much of these AI generated or at least AI aided misinformation and disinformation is now so advanced that it's moving far ahead of where regulation is on social media platforms, for example. And therefore, it's not just about voters going in to vote with with incorrect information. It's actually more that this is feeding into particular narratives, which make our societies much more polarised. 
Marine tells us in the medium term, the experts' questions say environmental concerns head back to top billing. With extreme weather events and natural resource shortages, the highest risk over the next 10 years. Now, I don't know about the rest of the world, but my Instagram feed, and I'm hoping this doesn't reveal too much about me, has been full of posts about the Calvin Klein advert that came out last week featuring Jeremy Allen White, the actor from The Bear. I think it's fair to say I sort of slightly broke the internet when it was released, and it's it's quite hard to describe for a podcast, but fair to say quite revealing, quite racy. It was super racy. Yeah. Uh, that company, Calvin Klein, famous for its pants and jeans, has other models in its adverts too, including Kendall Jenner and the singer FKA Twigs. The Twigs ad also features the company's slogan, Kelvin's or Nothing, and Twigs is wearing just a denim jacket. Jenna was wearing just jeans in hers, but the Twigs one has been banned by the Advertising Standards Agency here in Britain. Yes, the ASA, as they're called, said it was upholding complaints that the ad presented FKA Twigs as a stereotypical sexual object, quotes, and was offensive because it objectified women. And Twigs has previously said that the campaign was something she believed reflects me as a woman and an artist, so it's a really interesting case developing here in the UK. a tennis fan, you will know that matches often last and even start very late into the night, even the early hours of the morning. Andy Murray's second round match at the Australian Open last year didn't start until just before 11pm and didn't finish until just after 4am. The ATP and the WTA, those two tennis organising bodies for the men's and women's tours, have now agreed not to start any matches after 11pm at any of their tournaments unless there are extenuating circumstances but this won't include the Grand Slam tournaments. So Wimbledon does have an 11pm curfew, which actually is means that play has to stop so it doesn't disturb people who live around the tournament area. But that's unique, and the other Grand Slams don't. They often have matches continuing well into the early hours. The US Open last year had a new record late finish when Carlos Alcaraz beat Yannick Sinner in the quarterfinal. Andy Murray said last year after his 4am finish, it's not beneficial for the ball boys and girls, for the umpires, the officials, the fans or even the players. Yeah, it's making me tired just thinking about it. And fittingly, that is actually all we've got time for today. Thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow.